Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. And a good morning to you on this uh, Friday, October 5th, 2018. A pretty consequential day in the history of our country because uh, today, and as a matter of fact, uh, probably in about a half hour or so, the voting, the cloture vote, I mean, this is what they keep calling a procedural vote, uh, cloture vote merely says uh, that they are voting whether or not to stop uh, any more conversation about the uh, nomination and instead uh, proceed, authorize proceeding to a vote. Now, I don't know what the difference is, is uh, in terms of the vote count, on, I imagine anybody voting to stop and go ahead to a vote is obviously then a yes vote for Kavanaugh. So this cloture vote will pretty much tell you who the where the votes are. Uh, and that vote, I mean, they could just turn around and do it right away, I guess, but uh, I guess it'll happen tomorrow. Uh, supposedly, uh, nobody knows if the votes are there because you have a few senators being coy I remain skeptical um, and suspect that uh, Kavanaugh will squeak by as no other justice has in our history. Um, and this coming, by the way, we're going to try to, when the vote uh, is happening, the roll call, we'll break away to bring you the uh, the audio of that. Uh, Kavanaugh, there's never been a, I mean, again, the word unprecedented, which we've trotted out and dusted off and used a million times a day since uh, the advent of uh, the Trump era. Uh, this particular um, this particular nomination and uh, the resulting anger it has unleashed uh, is indeed unprecedented. The judge's performance, his open, unhinged rage, his suggestion of um, dark conspiracies by leftists and the Clintons, all of this have, uh, have been to a lot of people who had endorsed him prior to his tirade a deal-breaker. Uh, a friend of his, a guy who now says, I suspect I'm a former friend of his now, <laughs> who had endorsed him, who thought the world of him, was, and I'm blanking on his name, Wittes, I think, W-I-T-T-E-S, while watching Kavanaugh in, in that histrionic display 
uh, was so taken aback that he felt that uh, he would have to unendorse his friend because this is not a man who now can serve on a court and be seen as an impartial arbiter. And now we have a former justice of the Supreme Court, John Paul Stevens, appointed by a Republican president. John Paul Stevens, feeling the need, and this again I don't believe has ever happened, feeling the need to say, I thought he was a fine choice. <laughs> I endorsed his nomination until I saw that display. And he does not belong on the court. Law professors from all over this land have signed a letter, and the signatories keep growing uh, by, by the minute. And what's interesting about the law professors who signed the letter is they encompass every, every bit of the political spectrum and so you have professors of the law at leading law schools known to be conservative justices, judges, or professors, known to be even, uh, you know, originalists and, 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 and having the same political persuasion as Kavanaugh. And even people like that are signing this letter saying he does not belong on the court. Now, for somebody like that to sign it, that is really amazing because they would like the way this guy's going to vote on the court, but they are appalled by his lack of judicial temperament. I spoke of Senator Heidi Heitkamp uh, of New North Dakota yesterday. Uh, and she's up for re-election in a red, 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 red state of, right, of North Dakota. You don't get much redder than that. And the polls show her lagging. And I wondered aloud if uh, to try to save her skin and save her seat that sh she would vote for Kavanaugh. And I was so pleased yesterday when she also announced that she would not support Kavanaugh and she cited temperament, impartiality, and his seeming lack of honesty. And by that profile in courage, she definitely uh, signed her eviction from the Senate of the United States. So all of that is going on. 
And yet these Republicans are about to, in all likelihood, put this man on the court. And don't think it will end there if he is seated and sworn in. Because people are not going to stop speaking up. This will dog his steps as a justice for his entire tenure. And that's why I, my only hope is that some of these a few senators who have not yet announced where they're going will realize how damaging he is to the institution. Another unprecedented thing that happened in regard to Kavanaugh is his his op-ed <laughs> in this morning's uh, Wall Street Journal. I am an independent, impartial judge. It is headlined. And what's notable in reading it is he again in no way apologizes for anything he said. Instead, he plays the victim. I will read some of it to you. I was subjected to wrongful and sometimes vicious allegations. My time in high school and college more than 30 years ago has been ridiculously distorted. My wife and daughters have faced vile and violent threats. Against that backdrop, I testified before the Judiciary Committee last Thursday to defend my family, my good name, and my lifetime of public service. My hearing testimony was forceful and passionate. That is because I forcefully and passionately denied the allegations against me. At times, my testimony, both in my opening statement and in response to questions, reflected my overwhelming frustration at being wrongly accused without corroboration of horrible conduct completely contrary to my record and character. My statement and answers also reflected my deep distress at the unfairness of how this allegation has been handled. I was very emotional last Thursday, more so than I have ever been. I might have been too emotional at times. I know that my tone was sharp, and I said a few things I should not have said. I hope, though, everyone can understand that I was there as a son husband, and dad. I testified with five people foremost in my mind. My mom, my dad, my wife, and most of all, my daughters. He wasn't thinking about himself at all. My God, what a selfless what an icon we have here. 
And then he says, going forward, you can count on me to be the same kind of judge and person I have been for my entire 28-year legal career. Hard-working, even-keeled, open-minded. I will keep an open mind in every case. That's strange for a guy who said something about what goes around comes around. So there was no, uh, again, this playing the victim. And this is what the backlash uh, to women telling their stories has uh, has engendered. <laughs> it seems like the country could tolerate, you know, all right, enough, we hear women, all right, we hear you, hear you, all right, yeah, something's happened to you, I know, terrible, terrible, but let's keep our eye on what's really important. Us! The men, we are now being victimized. Any one of us could be taken down in a minute. And of course, what that says is, again, that women are lying. So all these law professors, my brother included, I, I, I texted him yesterday. I said, surely you've signed this thing. He said, yeah, right, of course. Who hasn't? I don't know that he knows anybody who hasn't. There's some big names. And as I said, all over the spectrum Here we go. Yeah. All right. We got a caller. Let's hear it. Hello, Lynn. Hi. 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 Fine. Hey, you know, the news media for the last couple weeks or months, they've been pushing this, the Democrats are going to pull the Senate off. It really, there was no chance in hell that was going to happen. It's a big BS story they've been telling on. Now that the Republicans are coming back in the Senate, more or less, they were going to win it anyway. So that is off the table. Why they put that on the table, I don't know. Now it looks like that it's going the other way. That just irritates the hell out of me. But I'm thinking in the long term, maybe in 2020 we could pull off something like that. First get the House. The first step, get the House. Next time, get the House and the presidency. you got to take it in baby steps. You know what I mean? These people, oh, we're going to win it all. Well, it ain't going to happen that way. Nope. It's redistricted. It's gerrymandered. So they're not going to win that. But no, in it, steps they could right. possibly get it, you know? And what, what Democrats have to understand, that if you want to win it all, you've got to pay attention to state legislatures. That's where the gerrymandering and the fix starts. Yes. And so in a state like Pennsylvania, 
to have this overwhelming conservative Republican legislature, and it is overwhelmingly Republican, overwhelmingly white male conservative, that is not representative of the politics of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So what's happening here? Obviously, Democrats aren't paying attention, aren't voting, aren't putting up candidates and backing them. And unless we start figuring out that it's not one election, it is election after election after election. It is the school board election, which then feeds people into the legislative elections, which then feeds people into congressional elections. And unless we start playing the long game that the Republicans have played, we're going to keep getting our clock cleaned, even though I, I suspect that we represent a majority of the American people. But it falls on us, there is no doubt. And even with the stakes this high, most Americans will not vote, as I said yesterday. It is, yeah, it is beyond disheartening. It's, it's something. But absolutely. I, I, there, I don't think there's any doubt that the Democrats will have control of the House. Um, right. And th that will bring with it a great deal of power. But nothing's going to get done because the Senate, in all likelihood, will be retained by the Republicans. And, of course, the White House will be Republican. And the Supreme Court, which is not supposed to have a partisan label, will be more Republican than it's been in decades and decades and decades. So, uh, yeah, we can celebrate if we take the House, but uh, keep it short and get back to work. Okay, then. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, everything, it seemed like everything I read in the paper today had something to do with women being subjected to horrible, outrageous conduct by men. And this was, and, and, and stop and think about it, I, I, what I was reading was, who got the Nobel Peace Prize? I mean, it, it wasn't, you know, hashtag me too. It, they announced the Nobel Peace Prize. And it was given to two people, a young woman, 25 years old, who has already endured more hell than I hope any of us ever do in our lives. She was a Yazidi, member of the Iraqi religious minority, who was uh, taken captive by the Islamic State, as were a, a lot of other women, and she was made into a sex slave. She was raped constantly. She eventually managed to escape, and she has become a, 
outspoken activists about sexual slavery, about human trafficking. And she shares the Nobel Peace Prize Award with a man, a, an African doctor, a gynecologist, Dennis McWiggy. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. And this is a man who has seen the women after. Because in the Congo, this has been happening with epidemic proportions. Girls and women as the spoils of men's wars. Their bodies ravaged, ripped apart, violated. And this man, seeing these women coming to him, was so stunned by the brutality of men at war that he began speaking up. He founded a hospital. The hospital was actually overwhelmed by the violence that overtook his country. Much of it, violence toward women. So, the women bore the brunt. The women didn't make the wars. The women just bore the brunt of the horror of the war. As militias from Congo and Rwanda and Uganda came across the border into Congo and for a decade and more and even today raped and raped and raped. This doctor almost sometimes worked as much as 18 hours a day trying to stitch bodies back together, never mind what happens to their emotional health. He was targeted for assassination. And so these two people in two different countries received the Nobel Peace Prize Award for their extraordinary courage in war zones, neither of them a soldier. but both drawing attention to how war now is about humiliation, subjugation, and violence toward women and girls. So <laughs> there's that. And there's Kavanaugh. And then there was this piece. And I, this is just from today's papers. I mean, they weren't put together. You heard about the Brooklyn College uh, business professor? 
He wrote on his blog, If someone did not commit sexual assault in high school, then he is not a member of the male sex. In the future, he went on, having committed sexual assault in high school ought to be a prerequisite for all appointments, judicial and political. I thought, well, surely this is a, right? This is a, a joke? No. It's not a joke. This guy now is doing the victim thing and saying, I feel unsafe. These students are, they're coming for me and this is like a lynch mob. And now he's saying it was meant satirically. Well, I went to the uh, annual uh, fundraiser for the uh, food bank uh, yesterday, the Off the Record show, which is a send-up of local issues and politics set to music. <coughs> You'll never believe who one of the stars of it was, Edgar Snyder. Edgar Snyder played Governor Wolf. <laughs> oh my God! <coughs> you haven't seen anything till you've seen Edgar Snyder singing and dancing. Badly, but gamely, I must say the the audience definitely appreciated it. Um, but it too was centered on women's grievances and the fact that women that there were no there was not a woman governor there was not a woman senator in this state this is some of the statistics we were talking about yesterday everywhere women turn and i talked to some very young women who were at the show one of whose uh, father wrote much of the show and this was before the show, and she said, you know, it's sort of about me too. And I said, uh-oh. She said, I know. She said, I told Dad <laughs> that if he ridicules women, and it is the send-up, so there's ridicules women in this, I am going to be enraged. And I said, you, let me tell you, you won't be alone. So there's this constant, I mean, this was a 25-year-old girl I'm talking to. People I bumped in there, I bumped into a male reporter from a local television station who said he's been talking to his children about it and trying to s tell them that, it's been worse, and we've gotten through this, and I started arguing with him <laughs> about that. <coughs> but he was sickened and upset. We are living in a time in which women, and I know this because I am one, and I hang out a lot with them, 
I've never seen women like they are now. And if this vote puts that man on the court, Katie bar the door. In the satirical bit last night at the Byam Theater, what the women of Pittsburgh did is take a take a um, page from the Greek play Lysistrata. And in Lysistrata, the Greek women, in order to get their men to stop warring, was that they withheld sex from them. And I think it's something women are starting <laughs> to think about again. Yeah. I don't know. So anyway, uh, everywhere you look today, the Nobel Peace Prize, the Congress, the art scene. Oh, the art scene here. Story broken today by a former city paper reporter who's really going gangbusters uh, since he left here, <laughs> uh, Bill O'Driscoll, uh, reporting for WESA has said that another local arts organization, you already know that the Mattress Factory is in trouble because of failing to deal with sexual harassment uh, issues uh, there. And in fact, its executive director, I believe, has placed on uh, administrative leave. And I also believe that the uh, regional asset district funds that uh, the mattress factory relies on are in jeopardy. Uh, and and now, according to uh, Bill O'Driscoll's reporting, uh, a group with not quite as high a profile, but a group that does a lot in the arts uh, scene here, uh, its, uh, I believe, founder and executive director Harish Saluja, who I met once, a long time ago. And you might know the name Harish Saluja if you listen to WESA, because on Saturday or Sunday night, is it, around 7 o'clock, his awful show comes on in which that horrible, Indi I'm sorry if you're Indian, but I mean, all that Indian music, um, India Indian music. I cannot, it's just to my ear, it doesn't do anything. And he, he has a show. That show is now canceled. Harish Saluja has been, um, I mean, this story is beyond belief. And you can read it at uh, WSA's website. Uh, woman after woman after woman say he was verbally abusive. He told women how to dress. He asked them to wear certain kinds of dresses. He worried about their hair, the color of their lips, lipstick. Uh, he said things like, I've seen your Facebook photos and I know that you can look sexy. I need you to look sexy when you're with me because you represent me and I need to look good. Can you imagine working? A woman is working. She said 
she was asked to accompany him to a silk screen, and the, oh, the name of the organization is Silk Screen Asian American Film Festival. She asked, uh, he, Saluja asked her to accompany him to a board meeting, and here's her testimony. He asked me to get really dressed up for the meeting. Lipstick, slimming clothes, form-fitting clothes, my hair down, and high heels. Then, just before they walked into the meeting, she says, Saluja abruptly mentioned a bit of information that she had confided in him, that she was in recovery. And he said, don't worry, I won't let anyone know that you're a drunk. It goes on and on and on how the board was told how nothing happens. Uh, Silkscreen is Pittsburgh's uh, biggest pro programmer of uh, Asian American arts. Um, and I must say, Harish, I met um, at an art opening probably in the 80s, uh, at a friend's gallery. He's an incredible artist. And in fact, my sister <laughs> uh, bought one of his pieces, she and her husband, a long time ago. It was really, I think, the first major artwork that they had bought. And uh, they it was shipped to their St. Louis home where it had... If you walked into Susan's house, Harish Saluja's thing took up the whole wall behind her dining room table, and now it is in her living room in Chicago. It's given her and anybody else who looks at it a lot of pleasure. I wonder if that pleasure now will be tinged with a sense of violation he was verbally abusive. He would yell at women saying, what the fuck is wrong with you? Are you stupid? And on and on and on. Another woman who's now 42 said, I never felt safe being in the office alone with him. On and on. Here's a 27-year-old who worked for him said Saluja told her that if she decided to get a haircut, she should talk to him about it first. She said that seemed weird. And more disturbing was the time they attended a board meeting, and alone in his car afterward, he told her, you have a sexy voice, so you should speak up they, so they can hear you. I don't know. I would go to these meetings with him and they would be like old men and he would make me stand there and say, look at her. How could you say no to her? So how about giving me some money? And I thought, so now I'm just old man sex bait? This is gross. 
she began to see two summer interns from Duquesne University getting the same treatment. Well, one of our first conversations we ever had was at a coffee shop, and the intern says he said something about a blowjob. He just said and did a lot of obnoxious things. These are young girls trying to get their first... I would be doing my computer work and he'd be sitting right behind and, and looking supposedly at the computer screen while I'm really looking down my shirt because I caught him one time and he says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I am staring at your tits. He would comment if I was eating an apple or fruit or something, how sexual it was. He would show them pictures of naked women On and on. Okay. This is now... Can you imagine... I mean, what I want to know is, is this the tip of the iceberg we're seeing? Right here in Pittsburgh. You've got two museums, Mattress Factory, and now this arts organization. And look at this. It seems to me I saw somebody else at an arts organization the other day has been asked to leave. What was that? I don't want to get the wrong one in. What the? And you wonder why women are angry. Is that boat happening? Let's, let, let, we're going to break in here and see if we can hear some of this boat. Yeah. Mr. Cornyn. Ms. Cortez Masto. Mr. Cotton. Mr. Crapo. Mr. Cruz. Mr. Danes. Mr. Donnelly. Ms. Duckworth. Mr. Durbin. Mr. Inzi. Mrs. Ernst. Mrs. Feinstein, Mrs. Fisher, Mr. Flake, Mr. Gardner, Mrs. Gillibrand, Mr. Graham, Mr. Grassley, Ms. Harris, Ms. Hassan, Mr. Hatch, Mr. Heinrich, Ms. Heitkamp, Mr. Heller, Ms. Hirono, Mr. Hoven, Mrs. Hyde-Smith, Mr. Inhoff, Mr. Isaacson, Mr. Johnson, Mr. Jones, Mr. Kane, Mr. Kennedy, Mr. King, Ms. Klobuchar, Mr. Kyle, Mr. Lankford, Mr. Leahy, Mr. Lee, Mr. Manchin, 
Mr. Markey. Mrs. McCaskill. Mr. McConnell. Mr. Menendez. Mr. Merkley. Mr. Moran. Ms. Murkowski. Mr. Murphy. Mrs. Murray. Mr. Nelson. Mr. Paul. Mr. Purdue. Mr. Peters. Mr. Portman. Mr. Reed. Mr. Risch. Mr. Roberts. Mr. Rounds. Mr. Rubio. Mr. Sanders. Mr. Sass. Mr. Schatz. Mr. Schumer. Mr. Scott. Mrs. Shaheen. Mr. Shelby. Ms. Smith. Ms. Stabenow. Mr. Sullivan. Mr. Tester. Mr. Thune. Mr. Tillis. Mr. Toomey. Mr. Udall. Mr. Van Hollen. Mr. Warner. Ms. Warren. No. Mr. Whitehouse. Mr. Wicker. Mr. Wyden. Mr. Young. hoping they're going to announce the vote. I couldn't hear how Manchin voted. Senators voting in the affirmative. Alexander, Barrasso, Blunt, Bozeman, Burr, Capito, Cassidy, Collins, Corker, Cornyn, Cotton, Crapo, Cruz, Danes, Enzi, Ernst, Fisher, Flake, Gardner, Graham, Grassley, Hatch, Heller, Hoven, Heidsmith, Inhoff, Isaacson, 
Kennedy, Kyle, Lankford, McConnell, Moran, Paul, Purdue, Portman, Murkowski Rich, did not. Roberts, she didn't say Murkowski. Rounds, Rubio, Sass, Scott, Shelby, Sullivan, Thune, Tillis, Toomey, Wicker, and Young. Mr. Manchin, aye. Senators voting in the negative. Baldwin, Bennett, Booker, Brown, Cantwell, Cardin, Casey, Coons, Cortez Masto, Duckworth, Durbin, Feinstein, Gillibrand, Harris, Heinrich, Kane, Klobuchar, Leahy, Markey, Merkley, Murkowski, Murphy, Murray, Nelson, Peters, Schatz, Smith, Stabenow, Tester, Udall, Warner, Warren, Whitehouse, and Wyden. Mr. Sanders, no. Mr. Lee, aye. Is that 50-50? Ms. Hassan, no. With Murkowski voting no, if Manchin had voted no, it'd go down. This is on Manchin if he gets in. Why won't they give the vote? Does any any of you guys see a vote? Unbelievable mansion. Mr. Jones, no. Mr. Johnson, aye. Mr. Schumer, no. Mr. Donnelly, no. That's a red state Democrat, Indiana. Ms. Heitkamp, no. Red state Democrat, North Dakota. Mrs. McCaskill, no. Red State Democrat, Missouri. Mr. Menendez, no. I'm sorry for the dead air guys, and I wish I knew more of what was happening. But as I see it, with Murkowski a no, and then Manchin saying yes, 
if Kavanaugh gets seated, it's Manchin's doing. Mr. Reed, no. Nancy is saying this isn't the final vote. It's a vote to move it to the floor. Mr. King. I, we know that. No. But. Mr. Van Hollen. It's. No. Largely believed to be a predictor of what the vote is. But you do point out that there's time to what? <laughs> Torture Mansion into changing his vote. <laughs> Ms. Hirono. No. Um, Mr. Blumenthal, no. Let me read to you an email that just came in to me. This entire thing has been a setup. How anyone who listened to her practiced, phony, childish act with a little girl voice could believe that this was not calculated is a mystery. Given her numerous falsehoods that we are now aware of, the fear of flying, the claustrophobia, her polygraph lies, and finally the fact that she changed the timeline in order to coordinate the dates. Kavanaugh was already at Yale by the mid-1980s, which was the timeline in her first accounts. Speaking of left-wing hacks, you take the cake. I used to listen to you back in the 90s just to get the opinion of the left. I just found you at your current location on the dial and discovered that you have gone to the far, far left. I suppose you feel this you don't... This is Shaheen. No. No. I suppose you feel you don't need to hide your true feelings anymore. I... <laughs> All right, Mark, whatever. Well, all right. I mean, I can't just sit here with all this. What are they doing? And there's no tally up on uh, the screen or anything. All right. Well, guys. <laughs> oh, my. My politics has not changed one whit. Jesus. Um, let me see. I, get, I, I don't want to miss anything, uh, but on the other hand, um, what we got here? Uh, yeah, nobody is giving me anything. So I guess we'll just... Oh, God. Mansion. Mr. Carper. Mansion is beyond belief to me. So, I mean, 
There's a demo. Senator is not recorded. I vote no. Mr. Carper, no. What if some of them pass, I guess, and then she's got to go back and get them? What takes a what? Oh, they're not in the room. Well, um, <clears throat> all right. I don't know what to say here. Um, I guess this doesn't. Uh Are there any senators in the chamber who wish to change their vote? As a reminder to our guests in the galleries, expressions of approval or disapproval are not permitted in the Senate galleries. On this vote, the yeas are 51, the noes are 49, the motion is agreed to. All right. There you go. So 51-49, it would have been 50-50. And, okay, so if those numbers hold on the actual vote, uh, Kavanaugh will be on the court with the tie-breaking vote of uh, the vice president. Okay. Uh, Tony wrote in, I missed it. Who are you talking about? A local celebrity? Sounds like a real entitled pig. Yeah, it was a guy's name is Harish Saluja, and he heads the um, silkscreen uh, Asian film festival. It's a small arts group that uh, brings a lot of Asian movies to town and he also has a show, or had, I believe it's been suspended now, by on uh, WESA-FM, where he plays awful Indian music on uh, weekend nights. So, that's to bring you up to date. Let's, uh, let's end <laughs> with an obituary I've been, I feel like it's a good time for an obit. An obituary I've been carrying around for, good Lord, over a week because I haven't found the time with all this news to mention it. But this is when we have just seen a profile in extraordinary self-serving cowardice by uh, a Democratic senator to our south in West Virginia. Uh, this is a profile in Courage, and this is what it looks like. And I, I want to note that it is the story not of a man and not of a woman, but of a girl. A girl who showed more courage as a child than any of these 
senators. Her name was Freddie Overstegen. She died, by the way, a few weeks ago, age 92. She was 14 years old when Germany came into her country, the Netherlands. And she, with her sister, who was two years older, so you got a 16 and a 14-year-old, signed up with the local Dutch resistance commander. And they were also joined by another friend, a girl named Hani Schaft. And it was after they signed up that they were told that their job was going to be to sabotage bridges and railway lines, blow them up. Also, they became part of a cell of seven resistance fighters. Try to remember yourself at 14, by the way, okay? And these three girls on their bicycles would drive by and shoot Nazis while riding their bike. They would seductively lure German soldiers from bars and into, into the nearby woods where they would execute them. These girls sheltered fleeing Jews, political dissidents, gays, others who were being hunted down, Ani Schaft, the third girl, was captured 18 days before the liberation of the Netherlands in 1945. She was captured by the Nazis, tortured, and executed. She was the oldest of the three. She was 24 years old. Her family, Freddie Oberstegen's family, took in Jews into their home in the mid-30s, into their own home, trying to shield them, which could have gotten all of them killed. <coughs> Many of the people they tried to save were deported, were murdered. She knew this because she said after the war we never heard from them again. She was asked two years ago by an online magazine how she later dealt with the fact that she had murdered so many men in cold blood when she was just a girl. And she said, 
how did I deal with it? I got married and I had babies. She refused one assignment. They had been ordered to kidnap the children of a senior Nazi officer and politician who was the Reich Commissar of uh, Occupied Netherlands. They were to kidnap the children and then they were to be swapped for imprisoned members of the Dutch resistance. And these girls actually refused that assignment because they said the children could be killed and we don't want to be part of putting innocent children in harm's way. We are no Hitlers, the girl who was later tortured and executed said. We are no Hitlers. Resistance fighters do not murder children. Anyway. All right. That's it, guys. I can't even begin to imagine how much stuff we'll have to talk about on Monday and Try to have a good weekend, okay? Thank you. Bye. Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen.